Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. So yeah, so so tell me, you know, you were at Adobe Summit last week. Yeah. Um, tell me about the the suite uh, and the setup there. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you know, no, we we we've, we've kind of made this investment, so we don't make a huge marketing investment in these type of events, like you know, other agencies that go all out and do the the booth and the vendor halls or or do something kind of more formal um i know at adobe summit a lot of the bigger agencies they they get suites and then they turn it into these like uh kind of more private vendor halls i don't know did you go to have you been to any of those i think i went to the ernst and one one ernst and one ernst and young one one year um and it was a suite and they had it kind of all open and it was bit but it was basically like a less noisy vendor booth you know you're getting yeah. like bugged by salespeople and like you know let us register your business card and all this stuff i'm like oh this is so cringy and like ugh. so we we for many years several years now um regardless of the events that we've attended we said let's let's save some of that money and let's create like a little escape you know and not not invite the entire world up there, not use it as a sales event, not pitch people, not, you know, try to make people come sign up and trade their information for some like gadget or whatever. Jen, someone called me this morning looking for Jen uh, because she gave out her information in exchange for a cookie. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, she's like, you can ignore that. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um, but, you know, we, we we wanted to do the opposite of that. So we, we, we got a suite. Um, we stopped at a really nice bakery in LA and got a bunch of really nice pastries and drinks and fruit. And you don't have to give us your contact info and we're not going to bug you as soon as the conference is open, just because you came up and got a fig and some pastries, you know, just come hang out with us and have fun. Um, so anyway, that was our plan on the way to, to Vegas, the, the Venetian called and said, um, are you, are you cool if we upgrade you to the penthouse? No shit. <laughs> I'm like, what? What's the catch? No, 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 no catch. I'm like, uh, okay. Um, so roll in, um, get checked in, and go up to the very top floor of the Venetian in the corner. Roll into the penthouse, and oh, it was awesome. So you know, had a nice, nice, really chill meeting space where we could have our clients and some of our friends that were at Adobe come hang out and had some, you know, couches, it had a full dining table, had a grand piano. Um, ben Gaines stopped by and p- played some music for us on the grand piano. It was amazing. Um, we, and, and in Ben's write up, he said, Jason got the sickest like suite at, at the, at the Venetian. It, it came complete with a sauna, which we did not use and a grand piano, which we did use. Yeah. It had a full on sauna uh, in there. And it was just crazy. It was just, it was really nice. So anyway, you know, we had a, we had a good time and 
you know, sure, we don't walk away with like 100 leads that we can assign to someone to pester after the event until they block our number. Um, and, you know, but that wasn't our, that's never our goal. You know, we, we just want to create a really nice space for people to get away, come have some, you know, refuel, have something to drink, um, have some snacks and just have some good conversation. No pitches, no selling, no, no expectations, just come hang out. And, um, I think the people that found their way up there, it was a really enjoyable experience. Uh, Summit or any conferences, it's tiring. You know, there's a lot of great stuff going on, but you can't go nonstop, stop the whole time. And so just offering people 30 minutes, an hour to come hang out up there and view the skyline, play the grand piano, have some good pastry and just chill. Um, I, I think people really appreciated that opportunity and I, I love doing it. So, um, it's kind of our thing now, I guess. Yeah. I haven't had a chance to come and hang out in our suite yet. I so know. I'm looking, I'm yeah. looking forward to doing that. The uh, first year we did it, uh, you, you had your, your son. Yeah. So. yeah and uh, my wife and I, cause he turns four next Tuesday. Um, and we were, we were reminiscing about it the other day. Um, and I've told people like, the, you know, the, the pregnancy was going fine. She was cool. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to that because it's gonna be like um, you know six weeks before he's due. Um, you know, because this was when like summit was like early March. Mm. Um, you know, now you know summit is almost now at this point toward the end of March, beginning yeah. of April. Yeah. So um, she's like, no, it's fine. You go. But then I could tell like she was starting to get a little more nervous as things were getting closer. And I want to say it was like February. Uh, we went to a doctor's appointment and I was even starting to get a little worried and like knowing my luck, it's not like I'm traveling to Boston, which is 45 minutes away by a right. plane that then there's flights every hour. Um, if something were to happen, like I'm not getting back very quickly. And the doctor was like, listen, unless this is like life changing for your company, life changing for you individually, you might want to stay close to home. And yeah. so that's, unfortunately I did have to, to bail on that one and then COVID hit. Yeah. And we, we had a rolling COVID hit and then that was that. So, yeah. um, so, we but, did, I'll oh, go ahead. No, I was, no, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, though, I'm glad things, you know, we're, we're able to get rolling again. It's summit yep. this year and I'm looking forward to it since we're you know, heading out as a group to the marketing analytics summit in June. Yeah. Uh, at the end of June. I'm looking forward to, to hanging out with everybody in the suite at that conference. Yeah, I think I think it will be a good time. Um, and we actually went to the Marketing Analytics Summit last year, um, and we got a suite at um, Caesars Palace, and it had two 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 floors. Uh, and uh, I can't remember who came by, but they said, "Do you have a tiger in here?" Like I think like they thought it was looked like the the suite from The Hangover. Um, it was it was pretty fun. So we're going back to the marketing analytics summit in June. I just sent you a link. I, I don't know if this is the exact one that Hilag got, but it's Holy very shit, right? Oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you see? It's got an indoor and outdoor bar. Like we got to yeah. get it all set up, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. <laughs> oh, that is going to be. <laughs> awesome so super excited to have the whole team there yeah it's gonna be fun i've been telling folks like i i plan to bring the camera out the the lighting setup the microphone 
I want to record stuff with folks that are out there. I want to find people that are interested in just chatting about analytics, marketing data, data in general, want to come out and hang out, talk, talk about agency work, you know, whatever you do would love to find people that would love to, to chat and maybe, you know, record a, uh, an impromptu podcast episode with us. Yeah. That'd be super fun. So we have a good space to do that in and, um, smaller, smaller number of people, um, attending this event, which I think is also nice. And this one will be interesting because it's at the uh, Red Rock Resort, uh, which is, I want to say like 15 minutes or so off of the strip. So it's a little bit more isolated. Um, and so we're kind of there, which I like, um, the strip is cool because there's a lot of entertainment and restaurants you can go to, but you're kind of just, everyone spreads and goes places. This kind of, we're at a more of an, a resort, uh, type of feel. And, um, I'm, I'm really excited, uh, about the, the event. Um, mostly excited about having the whole team together. It's been a long time. Yeah. It did totally. Um, and one more thing on this before we dive into our topic for today. One of the things I'm excited about for for the Marketing Analytics Summit is the fact that it is smaller. Yeah, it, It's much more intimate. Um, several folks I've been talking to, both on the team, client-wise, other folks in the industry, um, the folks I've been talking to have memories of when it was Omniture Summit mm-hmm. in Salt Lake. When it was more intimate, um, I remember that one year, you know, people were just posting up on Twitter. I'm hanging out in the lobby of this hotel or we're hanging out over here and people just show up and talk and talk shop and, you know, um, just have those meandering conversations around around the work. Because we've talked about, you know, the digital analytics community, the marketing analytics community. It's a community that enjoys its work. It enjoys talking about uh, the various aspects of it, the work that they're doing with clients, or if they're on the client side, their work that they're doing in-house, as well as some of the cool things that they've been trying. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of the things I'm I'm interested in, and and I'll say it like Adobe Summit the last the last time I was there, it was just it felt overwhelming because there, yeah. there's so much, and trying to find time with people to to do exactly that, and and. Not the phony networking, but the, mm. hey, let's grab a cup of coffee and shoot the shit. Yeah. Um, that was very, very hard to do. Yeah. And that's really why we've kind of doubled down on this strategy to to invest in a, a really nice location where we can do that. And again, like no expectations, no, f- you know, and it is like the first the first day that uh, we rolled into Summit was wandering around um, the shops at the Venetian around the canal. Um, and you could see little pockets of people. They all had their, their lanyards and their, their, their pass for the event on. And it was almost like cringy how forced and like inauthentic those conversations were. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't like this at all. (laughs) You know, I don't, I don't miss having to be in that, that mode. So it's been so nice just be authentic. And to your point, like, we were kind of doing this way back in the day. I, I remember posting up at the Marriott in the lobby um, before at the Grand America uh, or when it was at the Grand America, we kind of took over the Gibson Girl Lounge where it was a few people would come in and hang out. And we've just kind of made it a bit more like, let's 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 do this. Let's make this happen and create our own Gibson Girl Lounge, create our own kind of lobby and mm-hmm. and make it nice for people. And it's been it's been awesome. Um, 
And again, I'm sure someone from the outside looking and be like, there's no way to run it. Like how many leads did you walk away with? I don't know. None. You know, how many sales did you close? None. <laughs> you know, like, what are you doing? It's not a good use of your money. I'm like, sure it is. I'm having fun, you know? And, you know, and the people that came by had fun. And that's, that's, that's more ROI than I need. Yeah. And, 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 and speaking of, you know, like posting up at the Marriott lobby, it was the last time I was out in Salt Lake for, for summit. That was the year, like, you know, I was out there with Randy and a few others and Randy's like, oh, they, you know, they, these group, the, 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 these folks are hanging out over here. Come on, let's go. And we would just leave the conference and go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, those are the magic moments that you remember. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But Good kind stuff. of speaking about that, that authenticity, um, I will use that example <laughs> use that as to a segue. segue. Yeah. Segue into, into our topic you know, about the, the, the authenticity, um, factor and whether, you know, cause I've never been to a conference and, you know, specifically like say like when they have the vendor suite, but I have this picture in my head of mm-hmm. the way it is and kind of like the uncomfortableness and like the, the forced conversation around what you're doing, you know, versus just the, the, the genuine conversation, sharing ideas, I want to continue our topic around, you know, that we've labeled uh, vendors or outcomes. You know, uh, on our last episode, we talked about like buying, buying technology or buying a tool for the logo versus buying it for like the outcomes intended. Um, and I want to shift more to to the agency side of this topic. And, you know, if you're working client side and you're bringing an agency in, and I know recently we did a whole series of episodes around agencies and, yep. and I, I don't want to necessarily duplicate that conversation. So I'm trying to, to frame this from a different perspective, but want to ask the question, like, if you're working client side, how do you know if your agency has your best interest in mind? Um, because I think people have maybe this expectation when maybe it's a bit of naivete as well that when you're bringing in an agency to help, you know, let's focus on digital analytics and marketing technology, that they have your best interest in mind. And the naivete is like, hey, isn't our success their success? Isn't that always the case? Um, But why wouldn't it be? Why would it be naive to assume that bringing in an agency that is going to think, hey, when they succeed, we succeed? Yeah, so many different directions to take that. The one question you asked, how would I know if they have my best interest in mind or not? Uh, Sadly, if you take the default um, answer of they don't have my best interest in mind, you're going to be right more often than not. And and I hate to admit that, but that's just the reality of of the landscape. And so... uh, Why is that? Honestly, I wish I knew. Um, because it doesn't have to be that way. We've seen over the last 10 years running 33 sticks that you can absolutely have your your client's best interest in mind and still build a really meaningful company, um, a financially secure company. Um, but there's one thing that we don't have that a lot of these do these other agencies do have, and that is hyper growth. And we, we made the decision before the company was even formally structured that we wanted to have very slow, deliberate growth because we wanted to provide a different level of experience uh, to our clients. And that's not to, to say that larger agencies or agencies that are growing fast can't. 
but oftentimes when growth becomes their primary North star, um, it means that their best interest is put before anything else. And uh, I've had several knockdown drag out fights on social media about billing models. And, you know, I'm at the point where I honestly don't care how many people hate me. I don't care how many people, you know, call me names, think I'm an idiot. I don't care anymore, but the billable hour model in our space, in the digital analytics space, means you don't have your client's best interest in mind. You can you can try to talk your way around it all you want, but it's it's not true. It's your that model puts your interests above that of of the client. And the reason why that is is because your focus is on margins, your focus is on maximizing billing rate. And, and not to say those things aren't important, but we've often talked about those things being a result of, of doing things right, of, of putting your clients' interest first, uh, of treating your employees right, of, of building slow and steady. When you do that, those other metrics fall into line. But when you have those metrics lead the way and they become your guiding light to set your principles absolutely you're putting your interest above that of of your clients and i think to go back to your question why is that i think that the biggest reason why this is the case is most agency owners and executive leaderships either are hmm, let me think of the politically correct way to say this um they either know that they're, they're doing that and don't care, right? I'm going to get mine and I just don't care what it means to my employees. I don't care what it means to my clients. There are absolutely agencies out there like that. I think there are a lot of agencies out there like that, that have lied to themselves for long enough that they actually believe the lies now that they're putting their clients best interest first when they're absolutely not. I think that's probably the vast majority of agencies. Um, and so I, I just think we're not having that conversation enough or we're lying to ourselves. Um, and the biggest driver of that, as in most things in life comes down to money. So when we prioritize money and growth, um, unless we're really, really careful, it means we, we care about number one, we care about ourselves only. And if doesn't really matter. We only care about our employees. We only care about our clients in as much as they're helping us get more money. Yeah. And, and you, you started to answer sort of my ne- next question, which was what interest, what other interests could there be? Um, and cause I will say, you know, and, and again, call me naive, but it's, I could either bleed my clients dry, mm-hmm. which at that point you become a parasite. Yeah, And it means you need to continually find a new host or you could say I can make them successful. And over the long term, I am successful as well. And you, and you hit on a key word right there. Long term. I mean, most of these agencies are simply thinking quarter to quarter this year at the longest. They're not thinking three years down the road. They're not thinking five years down the road. And so, again, it's how much can I suck out of this client right now? And we see it not only, you know, we're kind of talking agency space, but we see this in the SaaS vendor space as well. You know, listen to these pitches these salespeople are, are putting out there. It's like, you can tell they're trying to hit their quota this quarter. 
They, they don't care if that cannibalizes the host and they're not going to buy from them next year. They don't care. They're not thinking that far ahead. So, and I could totally see that when you've got a large publicly traded company, you know, where you get that, you know, especially with the, the SaaS vendor space. Yeah. Definitely see that there. What would drive a smaller, you know, most likely not publicly held agency to have that quarter to quarter mentality. If they, you know, cause what, what drives those larger companies, those publicly traded companies to think quarter to quarter, it's wall street, it's quarterly mm-hmm. earnings. It's, it, it's pleasing, you know, public investors and public. I mean, like, you know, it, whether it's, a, you know, um, just your average investor buying in your institutional investors and whatnot, why would a smaller privately held agency think quarter to quarter? Is it just something ingrained? Uh, I, I mean, I think primarily it's lack of vision. Um, so, so many, the barrier to entry to starting a services company is so incredibly low for a few hundred dollars. You can register an LLC and spin up a website and you're now a consulting agency. So, you know, the, the barriers to getting into that business are incredibly low. And so what that means is a lot of agency founders and owners have no idea why they're doing it other than I have skills in this particular area and I want to monetize those skills. That's about as far ahead as they've thought. And so when you don't think about the future or why we're doing this above and beyond generating revenue, then if we're thinking monetarily, and we've been told this from a very young age, that a dollar today is more valuable than a dollar tomorrow. So uh, whatever, I'm, I need to get all the money I can right now. And, and again, primarily that is the output or the result of just a lack of vision of why we're doing what we do. And when we don't have a vision or a purpose for what we do, our purpose becomes to make money. And if our purpose is to make money, well, we want all the money sooner rather than later. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, beyond just making money through clients directly, you know, what other interests could you think of that could be out there and how could they be, you know, think of maybe like conflicting interests where, Mm. where could an agency have a conflict of interest that maybe someone hiring the agency may not be aware of? Are you baiting me into the partnership uh, debate? Yeah, because we talked about it a couple times. We've talked about it a bit recently, but yeah, I, I kind of am. <laughs> so many agencies, their primary revenue stream does not come from direct client um, engagements, meaning that these are clients that they've gone out and secured and are building that relationship. The Their foundational revenue is, um, I, I guess for lack of a better term, financed by a, a SaaS vendor. I know this because I've been at two agencies where that was absolutely the case. Um, One several jobs ago that was an analytics, one of the premier, very first analytics partners. We're going back over a decade, many, many years ago. And I got to tell you, it was a sweet deal. (laughs) You know, like Adobe would just back in the, the money trucks up in there and it was awesome until it wasn't. Um, but what does that mean for, for clients, potential clients? Well, it means that you're going to get pushed this one vendor, whether it's right for you or not, you're going to get pushed it. 
um, either because there's direct compensation from that vendor monetarily, meaning as a, as a partner, I have a literal quota. And I've had this conversation with Adobe. I've had it with Optimizely. I've had it with multiple companies. And they, they've all put in front of me a spreadsheet. It's like, great, you want to be a partner? Here's your quota that you're signing up for. I'm like, I don't have a quota at my own company. You're not going to give me a quota. What are, you, what are you talking about? But with so many of these agencies are seduced by the money and the money's really nice. I, I guarantee you they're making multiples of what we're making. Um, but you lose control of your own destiny. And you're put in a position where... Whether you're comfortable with it or not, the money and the pressure to sell that that partner is incredibly powerful. And you, whether, again, whether this rubs you the wrong way ethically or not, you will bow down to that pressure and you will do whatever it takes to pitch that solution because it's what you're being paid to do. Sometimes it's the right fit. A lot of times it's the wrong fit. And that's really where these companies get into trouble with agencies. And it happens both on the software side. It happens on the ad buy side. It happens on the services side. Anytime there's this backdoor, and they're public, but what isn't public is the the terms, right? So everyone loves to say, well, we're partners with this agency or we're partners with this analytics company. What they're not comfortable saying is, and here are the financial details of that of that partnership, because that really dictates what is is happening. And we've seen it. We've seen it firsthand for 10 years. The destruction that that causes when these agencies get in there and push their best interest first onto a client, um, even if it is the right solution, the approach they take is so predatory. You know, it's, it's, even when it is the right solution, it often leads to incredibly bad experiences. And so, you know, we could have whole episodes on my, my thoughts on the partnership model, but I think it is fundamentally broken. Again, this is another one of those topics when I discuss publicly along with the billable hour that I already know a list of people that are going to come at me and tell me I'm wrong. And I don't know what I'm talking about. And no, there is a way to do it. Yeah, you know what? There are a few outliers out there that are able to make it work, but 99% of the others can't make it work. So don't give me the one or two that can make it work and say, it works. No, in general, it does not work. And you can hate me all you want for saying this. You can feel uncomfortable because this is the agency that you're working at has this model. You can be uncomfortable because you've hired agencies that have this model but this is the truth. I have no way of sugarcoating it. This is the reality of how it works. Yeah. And it's interesting you bring up the quota part because as many times as we've talked about this, we've never talked about the quota. Like, you know, there's, oh, we, we've always focused on like the financial incentive, but yeah. then the idea of a quota as part of being a partner. Oh yeah. Um, that That's even more in, insidious. Because it, it's bad enough that, you know, when these agencies that are like, oh, this is going to be a great secondary revenue stream, I can quickly see how that will turn into, oh, this is our primary revenue stream. Or once you kind of you, you get that hit, that initial hit, you don't want that to stop. 
But then if you add a quota on top of it, then it's like, we have to do this. Oh, yeah. We need to find clients to buy this. No, I mean, you bring up a great point. It's one thing to have that as a faucet that I can turn on or off. Um, that, you know, if I, we want more business now, we can turn that faucet off and age or company wide dumps a bunch of money into us. That's one thing, but when you're signing up contractually to have a quarter by quarter quota, it's no longer a luxury to turn that on or off. It's on all the time. And so if you want to keep that thing going, you have no choice, but to hit your quota because it's like any other sales job. If you miss your quota once, you're going to get taken out to the woodshed. If you miss your quota twice, you're done. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter how much we like you. This is, this is a cutthroat game. Now, just to, to play devil's advocate. Um, I, you know, it, it's clear where you stand. It's clear where we stand as a, as 33 sticks on the reseller program. Could there be any positives for an agency and downstream positive for a client for those kinds of relationships? Yeah, because I know of agencies that are doing it and are doing it well. So again, there are a few outliers. This is the 1% that it's working. Only works though, if there's transparency and honesty in the relationship. It only works if the agency has earned the trust by promoting a product within their portfolio of what they do that isn't a product that they're getting compensated for. It only works if I'm being upfront with my clients before we ever bring them on to say, hey, I want to let you know, we have these partnership agreements in place with these vendors. And if we sell their product, we're getting 10% commission, 15% commission. If you're honest like that, if you... If you build trust by recommending solutions within your portfolio that you're not getting compensated on directly from a partner, then I think it has a chance to work. If you're uncomfortable having those conversations, no, it's never going to work. I don't care how you try to spin it. I don't care how silver-tongued you are about talking about why it works. You're, you're, you're wrong. It doesn't work. It works for you. It works for the agency. In fact, it doesn't even work for the agency. It works for the owners of the agency and a few senior executives. Everyone else in that scenario loses. How do the the employees lose? You lose your autonomy and control. What if I came to you and said, hey, Jim, by the way, you can no longer take this approach with our clients where you're helping guide them to the right solution. Whether you believe it or not, this is what you have to sell. This is what you have to say. You don't have a choice about it. Okay, fair. (laughs) <laughs> right. Yeah. And I've been in that position. It's like, wait a minute. No, this is not right. It doesn't matter if you think it's right or not. It's right because we're getting paid to say it's right. Like, Ooh, I don't like how that makes me feel. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I see. I see what you mean. And, and not only that, um, you're, you're also, you also lose control of your own scheduling and availability. So a lot of times, especially if you're a high end partner for some of these providers, um, you really have no choice. When a new project comes in, they say jump. You say, I'm ready to jump. How high do you want me to jump? Like you have no control over how you engage, how you onboard. If you need to work 80 hours this week to make it work, that's what you're going to do. And they have tremendous leverage and pressure on you. And you have literally no option as an employee. You are a pawn in that game between two forces that are the leadership of your agency and the leadership of the, the vendor you're, you're at their disposal, literally. 
so yeah, I mean, employees, absolutely. Consultants under this model, absolutely suffer. Absolutely. Gotcha. Okay. No, that, 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 that helps make that a bit clearer. Um, so to pivot a bit, you know, a, a couple episodes ago, we talked about, you know, finding the agency that's the right fit for you, what companies can do. Um, you know, are there any tells where a, a company could pick up on like that the agency doesn't have their best interest in mind? Like, are there any things that are like, okay, yeah, there, there's, there's, there's something I'm seeing here that, you know, doesn't feel right. Like, are there any things that come to mind that would be tells that the agency is more worried about something else other than a client's best interest? Am I getting, am I getting a highly curated experience for me or am I getting a templated copy paste approach? That's the easiest way to tell agencies that don't have your best interests in mind. Um, they've created efficiencies by creating a production line. So are you getting a template? And we've seen this. I, we've seen this with companies where it's a template and they copy and paste and oops, we forgot to remove all of the references from the last client we copied and pasted this for. So if you're getting a templatized approach, if you're just, you know, part of an assembly line, your best, they don't have your best interest in mind. They're doing that because they're, it increases their margins. It makes them more money. If you have high turnover on your account, they don't have your best interest in mind. So if you're, if your delivery team is constantly shuffling with people, it what what that typically is indicative of is they're trying to find the opti optimal mix of people that can get the job done at the lowest cost to them. So their agencies are constantly playing around with staffing to have that balance of let's just what what's the bare minimum we need to do to get the job done at the lowest possible employee cost. So if you're seeing lots of volatility in your delivery team. It's also a, a telltale sign that you're, they have their best interest prioritized over yours. If you're getting, again, if you're getting pushed very heavily to buy a specific product, and as part of that, they're, they're throwing under the bus and talking incredibly negative about the competitors of that product, um, it's also a telltale sign. If we're having really productive conversations and we're talking about pros and cons in a very open, honest way, that's one thing. That's one thing. But if I'm coming to you and saying, well, you know, vendor ABYCW, they're, they're the best and everyone else sucks. Like, like they literally suck and here's how they suck. I mean, you got to just do this. Just do this. It's, it's, it's a sign that they have their interest prioritized over yours. And, and finally, and this is kind of the, uh, the used car technique if if there's any kind of pressure tactics to do anything to 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 add services to add something to add a product to do this or that if you're getting the high pressure of well we need to do this now the clock is ticking this is going to expire it's a sign that they have you no know, we, we we have to get this deal done now for us this quarter so you know our interests are definitely more important than than your interest. So I'm sure there's a lot of others, but those are the most common signs that you can look out for. If you're, if you're looking for, um, an agency, one, one other one I'll throw in there because it's very popular in midsize agencies is if you see bait and switch happening, it's absolutely Ooh, a, a sign that their best interests 
are put ahead of yours. And if you're not familiar with what this looks like in the agency space, mid-size agencies have this down to a science in which they will hire a handful of incredibly high profile, very, very talented high-end people. Um, and they will they will kind of roll them out as the face of the company, attract business, helping closing sales deals because, hey, I want to work with this person. You know, I've heard about them. They've been around for a long time. They're amazing. I think they can really transform the way we think about how we do business. Um, but then they're not on the accounts. <laughs> they may be on the account by name, but they're not there. And so what happens is they use these very influential, high profile people to attract business and also to justify a very high hourly rate. And then they staff the project with a bunch of kids that just graduated college a year ago that they're paying dirt cheap. And so you can see that margin growing and growing and growing whose best interest is in mind there. So that's another big one, especially if you're talking to midsize agencies, we don't see that as much with the big players like the Ernst and Young's and the Sapiens and that we don't see that happening at that, that level, they have a different play, but in that mid size space, like 50 to 200 consultants. Oh yeah. Those guys have got that down to a science where they will dangle the really high end, uh, principal consultant that, that has written all the books on the topic, but they're never going to be on your account. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I didn't even think of the, the buy, of bait and switch, even though I've, I've actually seen it, it, it happen. You know, they, they, they show up to the first couple of discovery calls. And I mean, that happened. I could now that you're saying that I could think back to a couple of cases 10, 12 years ago where you had that person on those first couple of calls and then they quickly drop off and it's deferring to to someone else. Um, and you come to realize later what what was going on. I would like to add something else. And I don't want to harp too much on the, the reseller program. But one thing that I've seen that is a tell that the, the agency has their own vested interest in selling you something is if they're pushing you to a particular solution, a particular project, if they won't give you any kind of referrals. Most mm. agencies, when they've got great relationships with clients, they have clients that are willing to be referrals. They're willing to, to jump on the phone for 30 minutes and talk to talk to a prospect and, and be honest with them. And those agencies are more than happy to, to connect a prospect with, with clients. So if they're not going to give a referral, and then if you ask any details, and I've done this recently with another agency, and I wasn't trying to create a turf war or a pissing contest, but they're pushing something that I am pretty certain doesn't work. And I said, like, could you just give us some details on other clients that you've onboarded this to? How did the projects go? What was the duration? What was the ultimate LOE of the project? Because you're telling us this is fairly simple. And instead of giving us any of like their branded material, any kind of things that they wrote about the, the projects, the solution that they're pitching, they gave generic vendor materials. Yeah. You know, materials right from the vendor. And I'm like, you don't understand how transparent you're being in your end goals, not, you know, how valuable this is going to be to the client. And to double down on that, because yeah, I've seen that. Um, I've seen that as well. Um, 
not only branded materials from the agency, but outright lies from from the agency um, that are that are pitching a solution. I've seen I've seen that happen where, um, and, and I'll just rather than dancing around it, it was an agency pitching GA four over Adobe, and I got a hold of their deck, and it was a hundred percent information supplied directly from the Google partner team to them so basically here's the deck you need and then they took that and that would have been fine right like whatever you know take it from the vendor and use it. all the vendors do that they supply sales and marketing materials for for partners to use that would have been fine but the agency said you know what we're going to take this a step further and then we're going to add to this deck all the bad stuff adobe does and i sat in on a call where they were presenting to a client of ours and i sat there and watched it for 30 minutes and finally i'm like i I, I stood up, I said, guys, I am not going to let you lie to our client anymore. You are bold faced lying and either you, you know it and you're lying to them, which is horrible. Or I think actually you're just not smart enough to know that you're lying and you're just, you're saying stuff that's untrue and you simply don't know it. But it was, it was a horrific, horrific example of, of kind of what you're, you're talking about. And again, a great, a great visual of whose best interests do they have in mind here and the power of that seductive dollar to do that. Yeah. And, and, and I get it, you know, like I, I don't blame anybody who's out there trying to make a dollar. Just be honest about it. Like just be honest. And, and to your point, like disclose if you're, if you participate in a partner program, Mm-hmm. And then this way, you know, if you are pitching something, your client can take any potential bias into account or, uh, be honest that yes, this particular person is going to be on for the initial phase of the project, but you will see a mix of people coming in after that initial phase moves on yeah. so they could be prepared. They don't think that this particular person is going to be on for the duration. Yeah. I mean, I think so much of it comes down to honesty. Um, and it's, it, does it feel like it's a lost, I don't even want to call it an art. Does it do it feel like it's something that is just lost in, in, in the business world? Because we, it feels like we've been trained to be so manipulative and smoke and mirrors and what happened to just doing business in an honest way, you know, a, a handshake and a trust and here's what I'm going to do. And here's what we're going to get in return. Like what happened to, I hate to be sounding like the get off my lawn guy, but like what happened to the good old, old days where there was a bit of honesty in our, in our transactions. Can, can we not have that? And, and, and again, in my mind we can, but the cost usually is slower, more moderate growth. But how much do we really need when it's enough is enough, you know, and I think oftentimes where our, our thirst for more growth and more revenue is literally unquenchable. It's where we tip over from honesty to being very deceptive in, in kind of a pursuit for a goal that simply can't be attained. Because it doesn't matter how fast we grow. It doesn't matter how much money we put in the bank. We always want more because that's our purpose. Our purpose is more. And I think we're really hitting on like the the nugget of this conversation is it doesn't matter if you're working with a software company or a services company or somewhere in between, 
If you're working with a company that doesn't understand their why, doesn't understand their reason for existing in the world, by default, their reason is revenue. And if your reason for existing is revenue, it's an unquenchable, it's it's a destination you will never get to. And the more they, they try to grasp at it, the further they're going to get away from your best interest because it is a drug. It's a drug. And then you throw in social media. Again, I don't want to be the, the fellow get off my long guy. You know, it, but if you throw in social media, what, it, it, what, what populates social media most of the time? The growth hacking and the, the hustle culture where it's always about like, if you're not up at 6 a.m., you know, already to sign deals and sending emails. And if you're not, um, you know, awake at 11 p.m., you know, doing, doing the same thing, what are you even doing kind of thing? And, and again, like, yeah, again, I think it comes down to having a sense of purpose and reason for why you do what you do. If, if, if you're grounded in having that purpose, it's, it's easy to ignore that. If you're not, then it's the keeping up with the Joneses and you see this explosion on social media and the, the messages that get amplified. It's like, well, I've got to keep up with that. It, 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 to me, it all comes down to knowing why you're doing what you do. Yeah. And yeah. And, and I don't want to get too, too philosophical. Uh, but I'll, I'll leave you with this and then, you know, you can add, add your final thoughts. Um, I, over the years we've had this podcast, I've talked about how I've been a workaholic. I, I still am. I still have those tendencies and I worked my twenties and most of my thirties away. I I've really reflected back on it. Now that I'm the, the approaching my mid forties, I did, I worked and it was, it was, you know, got to make more money, got to get the promotion, got to get the massive raise, got to get the bonus, push, 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 push. And it wasn't until I hit 40 and really sat back and thought about it. It's like, well, when does this act eventually yeah, to stop? What, to what end? When does this eventually, when do I reach this goal? It's constantly, it's I'm running on a treadmill and it's, it's had me really rethink um, a lot of things. And, and that's what happens when you have, um, firms out there, agencies, software companies, whatever, that their only pursuit is the dollar. And then that is, is if you hire a, a, an, a partner like that, they're only going to see you as a means to yeah. an unattainable you're, end. You're just a resource to them. Yeah. So, um, I, I'm not sure who said it, so I apologize for not giving them the proper due credit, but I, I saw something that said as, as a society, we need to rethink what it means to be successful. And because if you, if you look at social media, successful is like these growth hackers and these executives and, you know, having a private jet and having a, you know, $20 million mansion in the Hills and having you know, a garage full of 18 high-end sports cars, that's successful. But what success really is, is truly um, answering the question, when you get up every morning, am I happy today? I, that, that really is success. And so many of the people that have the outward appearance of have this appearance that we've adopted as a society, they have all this stuff and they've been labeled successful and they're miserable. Cause it's they're, empty. It's empty. It's hollow. So if you get up every morning, you say, I'm happy. I love what I do. I get to go do this and it's exciting. That's, I mean, that's success. 
And, and that's kind of what the approach that, that we've taken. We're never going to be the biggest. We're never going to make the most money. We're never going to be, when it comes to Google or Adobe or any of these big vendors, we're never going to get the red carpet rolled out for us like they do for the big agencies um, because we, we simply don't have that level of impact in the world. But what we do have, hopefully, is happiness that we can get up and say, man, I love what I do. I love that I can go into work and not feel uncomfortable because I have to go lie to this client. It's like, I love, I love that I can go in and have an open, honest conversation and the clients that I work with trust me. And it's not all rosy all the time, but we have trust, we have mutual respect and we care about each other. That's amazing. To me, that's, that's success. And those that want to partner with us, you're going to enjoy the ride. That's what we hear. Mm, And that's what I, that's, that's what, that's what we're putting in the work to do. And coming, going back to how we started the conversation how much ROI did we get on this, you know, building out this little club in the suite for people? I don't know, but it made me happy. It made everyone that came up there happy. Um, and that's what we want to do. We want to create really positive, amazing, memorable experiences for the people that are around us. That's why we do what we do. Agreed. Cool. So let's wrap it up there um, for this week. Um, glad to hear everything went well last week at Adobe Summit. And yeah, looking forward to hanging out in uh, Vegas in June. It's going to be a good time. Be there, you know. Come, come find us. We'll be there. Yeah, come hit us up. We'll have we'll have a fun place to hang. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Come hang and just chat with us. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you much, and talk to everybody later. See ya. See ya. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boot.